Hello and welcome back to another episode of Teach Me to Pray, a podcast from Eastside City Church. And today I'm joined by Jonathan Lutz-Rosco. And in episode four, I did an interview with Margot, who was the worship director at our church. And since we have recorded that episode, Margot has gone on to big things and Jonathan has joined our team as the worship director. And I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. Thanks for being here, John. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It's been an honor and a pleasure to get to know everybody on the team here and the church. And uh, I've been loving just uh, getting into uh, the life of the church here at Eastside City Church. Well, this is our final episode of season one. It is our last episode discussing prayer. So let's get right to it. Because whether you're a new Jesus follower or are seasoned in the way of Jesus, there will be something for you in this podcast. This is episode 10, Silence and Solitude. Today, we are talking about silence and solitude. Maybe you're like me, and you're always listening to something. Uh, I listen to podcasts, audiobooks, or music. I often have a YouTube video playing in the background, or I just have the TV on with some sports. Uh, my day is full of sound and noise. In the car, in the house, while I'm doing chores, I'm always listening to something. What about you? What about you, John? Yeah, you know, I'm very similar in that sense. Um, there's got to be some sort of a noise in the background, whether it's, you know, I like to listen to a lot of news. A lot of the time, people just talking and uh, I love music obviously you know love music and it's different art forms and different types of music you can get lost in thousands and millions of hours of just listening to everything so yep I, I totally get it at different times in my life I've tried to disconnect from technology to different degrees uh, a few years ago I tried to take one day of the week where I had no computers no radio or anything like that I remember driving around in my car. I still allowed myself to drive. <laughs> uh, but having just complete silence in my car. No music, no audiobook, none of the usual things that I would listen to. Just complete silence as I drove around alone. And it was really painful. And I found myself, I kept reaching for the radio, like to hit the power button, like, oh, I should turn this on. Uh, and reminding myself at the last minute, like, no, wait, I'm choosing not to do this. And most evenings, I would just end up going to bed early because it was so boring that one day of the week where I wasn't listening to any of those kinds of things. Silence is hard. It's uncomfortable. I mean, think about it. We use silence as punishment, the silent treatment. And the same as solitude, the worst prisoners end up in isolation. And so why would we choose to endure that ourselves? But could silence and solitude be good for us? And how do these things connect to prayer? Well, that's what we're looking at today. Let's start with silence. In the July 2007 issue of Science Magazine, 
Dr. Matthias Methyl and a research team from the University of Texas at Austin studied how many words the average person spoke in a day. Over eight years, they researched the speech patterns of 396 people, discovering that the average person speaks 16,000 words a day. The most talkative person in the study used 47,000 words a day. That's phenomenal. While the least talkative used only 700. Well, that information came from a 2007 web article in the Globe and Mail by Siri Agro. Well, that's a lot of words. And that only represents when we're speaking, not when we are listening. All in all, our world is not a quiet place. And silence can be hard to find. Well, I want to take a look at what the Bible says about silence. And these lists come from the Dictionary of Bible Themes. So there are times when it's inappropriate for God's people to be silent. And the Bible talks about this, how there's the silence of expecting God to act. And so we can think about walking around Jericho, God's people, they walked in silence. And there's other examples throughout the Bible of this silent waiting for God to do something. There's the silence that anticipates the wisdom of another person. We see that in the book of Job. Uh, Proverbs talks about the silence of prudence. Or there's the silence that comes from suffering. Or the silence that's linked to shame. Or even the silence of anger in Psalm 4, verse 4. The psalmist is warning against hasty action when angry. Well, there's the silence of amazement at God's actions, seeing a miracle and being silent in response. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about a tongue speaker should be silent if no interpreter is present. And it talks about silence in the church. Uh, a prophet should be silent if another receives a revelation. And it says that Christian women are sometimes uh, to be silent. And we see that in 1 Timothy or in 1 Corinthians or 1 Peter. Now, there are times when it, it's inappropriate for God's people to be silent. We see that in uh, 2 Kings uh, verses 7 to 9 or Psalms 40 and 9. It talks about when there is good news to tell, we shouldn't be silent. In fact, uh, we also see when much depends upon a person's words, uh, you know, we need to be able to speak and give wisdom or encourage in conversation. Uh, God also states that when God should be praised, right? When we should uh, offer our praises as a congregation, uh, we shouldn't keep that back and be silent. When sin is unconfessed, we need to be open about it. And when God's people feel that they have a genuine complaint, to come before and offer those complaints and, and, and expose and explain what's on your heart, what's been vexing or, or heavy. And when prayer is urgently required. Let's look uh, at what the Bible says about the silence of Jesus, because there's actually uh, Old Testament prophecies, uh, like in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, that talk about uh, Jesus being silent. And we see the fulfillment in the New Testament, where Jesus stands silent before the Sanhedrin, and he's silent before Pilate, and even before Herod. And Jesus Christ commands silence as a sign of his authority. And so uh, Jesus silenced evil spirits, and he even silenced the storm. When he stopped the storm and the wind and all of the, 
the noise associated with that, it was silenced by Jesus. And so we want to look at choosing to be silent. And why would we add this into our prayer life or make it just a part of our Christian walk, choosing to be silent? I want to read from James chapter 1, verse 26. It says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. So sometimes controlling our tongues means not speaking at all, choosing to be silent. In James chapter 3, in verse 2, it says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And so silence is more than just not talking. Think about all those little noises that you hear all around you. There's whirring and buzzing and chattering sounds that fill up the background of our lives, things that we hardly ever notice. But when we uh, remove the noise and when we quiet ourselves, and when we experience prolonged silence, it becomes just us and God. And so being able to kind of take ourselves out of the busyness of life or all the noise that's happening around us, even if we close ourselves off into a room and start to be quiet, we hear the ticking of the clock, so many little noises and things, your furnace kicking in or whatever those sounds that might just be the normal background in your house or where if you go outside, you're going to hear all the different sounds of nature. But the more and more that we're able to just focus on removing ourselves from these other noises and focusing on God, well, that can actually bring us to a place that can be uncomfortable. In prolonged silence between just us and God, there's some questions come up, like, what if I'm emptier than I pretend to be? What if I do some soul searching and discover that there are a lot of uncomfortable thoughts and feelings inside of me. But maybe I need to turn off the TV and set my phone aside, turn off the music, close out those distracting noises, and sit silently before God, not having anything to say, but just quieting myself in the presence of God. Why don't we take a few minutes, even right now, of just some silence before God? Henry Nouwen writes this, It is this nothingness in solitude that I have to face in my solitude, a nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, my work, and my distractions so that I can forget my nothingness and make myself believe that I am worth something. The task is to persevere in solitude, to stay in my cell until all my seductive visitors get tired of pounding on my door and leave me alone. The wisdom of the desert is that the confrontation with our own frightening nothingness forces us to surrender ourselves totally and unconditionally, unconditionally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Henry Nowen is sharing about this idea of a prolonged silence and the things that it kind of brings up inside of us, the, the distractions that come. Even as we know as we go to pray, even in those quiet moments, there's so many things that can come into our mind Absolutely. or so many things that kind mm -hmm. of bubble up. And when we do kind of provide ourselves with this time of just being quiet before God, it's amazing what, where our mind will go to, 
all the different things. Oh, I got to remember this. And oh, I haven't done this yet. All the distractions. And he, he speaks of kind of pushing through that and allowing that solitude, that quiet, that time to kind of prolong so that we have more and more kind of working through these things to get to this place of even surrender unconditionally to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some very powerful wisdom in what he has to say. Uh, what I also find is that when you're sitting in that solitude, that there's a lot of anxiety of just being in that moment. Sure. That comes up in a lot of people. Even yeah. Myself, when I first started kind of learning what this whole solitude thing was about. And it's, uh, it's an interesting kind of perspective that he gives in that ongoing conversation. And many of you might have experienced the same thing if you've even tried. And some people just, they get so uncomfortable, they don't want to ever do it again. No, that's a good point. Even mm-hmm. we can feel guilty about all the things I should be doing exactly. instead. And we see that in prayer. Like if we don't value prayer and our time in prayer, then it's thinking of, well, trying to prioritize this over all the really important things that I, I really should be doing instead. And so we have to be able to find the value in these different Christian practices uh, that we do. Let's look at the example uh, from the Bible of the prophet Elijah. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, things have not been going well for Elijah. The queen has told him that she's going to kill him, and Elijah is afraid, and he flees for his life. And this is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. It says, Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Well, when we think about uh, praying the great prayers of the Bible, this is probably not one that we go to. Elijah is here and he's praying to die. He is exhausted. He is mentally, physically, spiritually just done. He's ready for it all to be over. And this is God's prophet. This is somebody who has an intimate relationship with Almighty God. He has seen God do great signs and wonders, and yet here he is at his lowest point. Let's continue the narrative. In verse 5, it says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So sometimes at your lowest point, when you're alone, when you're at your rock bottom, What you need is a nap and some food. And I love this example, how God answers Elijah's unanswered prayers. God knows exactly what Elijah needs, and he provides for him. So in this lonely, quiet place, all by himself, God sends an angel to give Elijah good instruction and food and water to replenish him. Elijah was able to go and continue the work, the difficult journey of traveling for a long time. And when he arrives at a cave on Mount Sinai, he has an even more impactful experience with the Lord, where God speaks to him repeatedly, and there's a windstorm and an earthquake and a fire, 
But the Lord then shows himself to Elijah as the sound of a gentle whisper. The Lord gives further instructions to Elijah about exactly what to do. And this comes to Elijah in the place of solitude after days of being alone. And I want us to look at the example of Jesus, of this idea of solitude and silence, how we see it in the life of Jesus. Because one of the silliest things that I've heard sometimes is when Christians would say, well, Christians don't go on retreats. We go on advances because we never retreat. We only advance. But I think it's extra silly when we look at the example of Jesus and how often he took time to withdraw, to retreat, to get alone by himself. And so let me read you some examples of those. It says, Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. That's in Matthew 14, 13 and Luke 4, 42. It says that Jesus went to a lonely place and prayed in Mark and Luke. Jesus withdrew into the hills by himself, is in John. And Jesus withdrew into Galilee, in Matthew 4.12. Jesus withdrew from there, in Matthew chapter 12. And he left them and went away. And then it says in Mark 6.31, Come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest. Sometimes we see Jesus going away by himself. And sometimes Jesus takes three of his disciples away with him. And sometimes he withdraws with all 12 of his disciples. But over and over again, Jesus gets alone to pray. And so the question for us becomes, are you able to withdraw? Do you get alone? In the midst of your busy life with responsibilities and people that rely on you, are you following the example of Jesus in getting alone with God and having uninterrupted time? And what could that look like in your life? How could you add it to your schedule to make time to be alone? I love the examples that you brought up, Peter, just because the Son of God knew limitations of our human nature, you know, mm-hmm. who we are. And he set this amazing example. In fact, we see in the Gospels uh, that Jesus is in the wilderness a lot of times as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Matthew 4, 1 uh, to 2, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Luke 4, verses 1 to 2 says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became hungry. And then in Mark 1, 12 and 13, uh, those verses state the spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among all of the wild animals and the angels took care of him, just like Elijah. Mm -hmm. See, Jesus was led by the spirit, compelled by the spirit to go to the wilderness to a solitary place. This is the first thing Jesus did after his baptism. Jesus was there for 40 days and had no one to talk to, no single other person. Mm -hmm. It was a place of quiet and a completely withdrawn place in solitude that he could get to be with his heavenly father, to learn and grow and to love. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at another quote uh, from uh, Henry Nouwen, again from The Way of the Heart, uh, which is a book about the spirituality of desert fathers and mothers. And this is the quote. It says, solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, 
we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. Jesus himself entered into this furnace. There he was tempted with three compulsions of the world. To be relevant, to turn stones into loaves. To be spectacular, throw yourself down. And to be powerful, I will give you all these kingdoms. There he affirmed God as the only source of his identity. You must worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Solitude is the place of the great struggle and the great encounter. The struggle against the compulsions of the false self and the encounter with the loving God who offers himself as the substance of the new self. I love that. Just this idea of Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights, this extended period of time out alone. And we could see that as a place of weakness or a place of difficulty, or we could see it as this place of communion with God and getting away from all of the noise and Uh, as he's even preparing himself, as he's going to go into this next season of ministry after the baptism, being led by the Spirit, and at the end of this time, facing this temptation from the devil, coming to tempt him with all these things. And so I've heard it uh, where we could look at it as uh, the devil coming to Jesus at his weakest, where he hasn't had anything to eat or drink, and he's just surviving supernaturally off of uh, God that's sustaining him. But I've also heard it said that this is Jesus at his strongest in this place of solitude and silence and this deep connection with his heavenly Father being led by the Spirit, being able to overcome the devil's temptations because he's in this place of silence and solitude. And so as we kind of conclude, uh, kind of talking about silence and solitude here, silence and solitude don't have to go together. But they do add or amplify to the other. And so, just like we're saying, Jesus in the wilderness, coming to this place, valuing this time as he's preparing for his ministry. And then the question for us becomes do we see the value in what Jesus did? And can we model those same practices in our lives? Not that you have to go and drive out into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights and just abandon all your responsibilities and just go and do that immediately. But can we add into our routines, our responsibilities, the way we're living our life, can we add these moments of silence, these times of getting away? Can I challenge myself to turn off all the noises and to just be quiet? Instead of just constantly listening to all these different things, can we quiet ourselves and have these moments of silence and solitude in our life? Well, let's head into our final section for today, and let's talk about listening. Listening is easy to understand, but sometimes really hard to put into practice. It's hard enough listening to your spouse sometimes with all of the distractions around you. And how much harder can it feel at times to listen to the Lord? And so let's take a look at a bit of what the Bible says about listening. We've got verses like John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice, 
I know them and they follow me. Luke 10, 39 says her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. And Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. And then finally, Luke 9, verse 44, it begins with Jesus saying, Let these words sink into your ears. Well, listening is an important part of prayer. Silence and solitude help to remove distractions and help us to get through the clutter of our minds and all the things that we don't stop to consider. And it brings us to a place where we can listen, where we can hear, where we can take heed. We can process through what we're listening to. But without listening to what's going on in our hearts, to what God is speaking to us, the silence and solitude are not going to be as impactful. Elijah needed to listen to what the angel told him. He needed to listen to that still, small voice. And we want to be those who listen well to the Lord. Let's end with a testimony that's taken from Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. And in chapter 9, uh, he writes this. It says, Here is the testimony of a young person entering into the practice of solitude and silence. And this person says, The more I practice this discipline, the more I appreciate the strength of silence. The less I become skeptical and judgmental, the more I learn to accept the things I didn't like about others, the more I accept them as uniquely created in the image of God. The less I talk, the fuller are words spoken at an appropriate time. The more I value others, the more I serve them in small ways, the more I enjoy and celebrate my life. The more I celebrate, the more I realize that God has been giving me wonderful things in my life, the less I worry about my future. I will accept and enjoy what God is continuously giving to me. I think I am beginning to really enjoy God. And so it starts from practicing this discipline of silence, having these moments of solitude, where they're able to process through some of these things that God is doing inside of them. They're able to value more the things that God values and to kind of move away from the ways that our world would tell us to live or these things to do in order to follow what God has asked for them to do. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, you can practice the discipline of being silent. And you can practice the discipline of solitude. It's understanding that prayer is not just talking to God, but also listening to Him. Let's end, as we always do, with a prayer. Father, thank you for reminding us to get alone with you and to be silent before you. God, I pray that you would search our hearts and help us to so thoughtfully consider where we are at, what you want to speak to us and the deep work that you are doing within us. God, help us to get away. Help us to be intentional in finding times of solitude, to intentionally seek out silence as a way of better connecting to you. 
Jesus, we thank you for your example. We pray that you'd help us to be like Mary, who sat at your feet, listening to you. May we do the same. Amen. Amen. Well, that is it for season one. Man, we did it. This was our deep dive onto how to pray and why we pray. Well, today I'm joined once again by Jonathan. Thanks for agreeing to do this interview. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Well, uh, I mean, we're 10 episodes in now, uh, and each of our episodes, uh, when it comes to the interview, I try to start with the same question. And so I'd love to hear just about what prayer looks like in your life and how do you pray? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, uh, I started at a young age trying to figure out this whole prayer thing. Uh, and it's funny, my mom actually gave me this uh, devotional um, kind of pamphlet back in like, I don't know, 2002 or something. And How it, old would you have been? Oh, like 12, maybe okay. 13. You know, I'm just starting to kind of, you know, be my own man and and, yeah. and, and start to figure that whole thing out. And um, I just remember this kind of cheesy brochure. And I think I used to still have it. I have to go find it. But it was uh, Seven Minutes with God. Okay. And so it kind of just breaks down the whole process of like, what is prayer? You know, like a really simple kind of thing. And nice. You know, I thought it was super cheesy at the time, but it, it actually stuck with me most of my life because the whole kind of goal of it was it's not just like a clocking time. You know, you're measuring the time mm-hmm. starts, uh, uh, you know, stop, start type thing. It's, it's actually the intent of what you're doing. Right. And that's something that's always stuck with me that I don't have to spend, you know, 17 hours in prayer. Uh, it's the intent of what am I going to God for? And mm-hmm. You know, there's been seasons in my life where I've been able to spend a lot of time in prayer and others where things just are kind of crazy. And I just feel like in this point in my life with my son, uh, getting into uh, about his third year now and mm-hmm. then uh, with my wife and how things have shifted the last year, it's, I've been finding it's uh, harder and harder to get up to those early morning routines because right. my son is yes. up early or, you know, everything yep. shifted in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd say previous to having my son... Um, my, my, my schedule was pretty regulated in the sense that I'd love to get up and, and pray for a half hour or something and then mm-hmm. go to work and, and do what I got to do. Uh, but I, ever since my family life has shifted, I find that evening time or in the car or a place where I can kind of withdraw from the responsibilities of life is a sure. place where I can really kind of lean into some things. Yeah. Uh, and depending on what's going on that day or that week. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I've, I've, I've shifted a little bit in, in my current prayer life is kind of mm-hmm. taking a bite-sized approach versus yeah. kind of all, all 30 minutes. As much as I think that's great, and I, I'm going to be trying to kind of get back into that this year, yes. uh, but that's going to kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's so interesting that you uh, talk about even like when you were 12 and the impact that that kind of, that information that you got then has even today on your prayer life or between now and then, because that's something that has come up quite a bit is talking to different people who've had like a background of prayer or who had uh, parents who prayed that the prayers that they prayed or the the influence that they had in their life as a child really did impact their adult life even when it came to prayer. And I think it's it's really interesting if you're a young person listening to this mm-hmm. to see like hey the value in the prayers that you're praying now and how that can impact even how you're going to be praying in the future. And for those that are parents to think about the impact that your prayers and how you pray and how you talk about prayer has on your children or those that are younger than you that might be around you. Uh, I just think it's really interesting. And I think that another thing that 
has come up a couple times is just the challenge of when routines change as we go into different seasons of life and being able to to find different ways of praying or still engaging in prayer and not losing that, uh, which I know can be a challenge for people. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so kind of the next question it leads us into is, and you've talked a little bit about this, is just tell me a little bit more about a time in your life where you began to pray or you saw a change in how you prayed. So you kind of talked about the mm-hmm. seasons changing, but... Uh, yeah, just give me a little bit more on that origin of prayer in your life. Yeah. And as that 12-year-old with your little devotional, what yeah, did yeah. that look like? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, uh, I I love devotionals or like structured mm-hmm. devotions. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of those growing up. Um, uh, as I got older, uh, I then kind of started learning to kind of read from scripture. So you would uh, read uh, a portion of scripture and yeah. ask the uh, spirit to, to kind of lead that whole thing. And mm-hmm. I, I started to kind of grow and develop in that during college. I remember getting... Uh, informed on different kind of exercises in prayer. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with Lectio Divina or the idea of uh, reading a, a piece of scripture quietly, okay. just a verse or two, and you just mm-hmm. kind of repeat it one, two, three times or more. And you just soak in that word and kind of see, is there something that, that pops out? Is the spirit saying something? You, you intentionally kind of dig into that. Uh, so that's a, a form of prayer, a form of, of reading through scripture that uh, really helped out in college at, that, when I was going anyways. So focusing on a little smaller passage, just yeah. a few verses, yeah. but then meditating on it, exactly. thinking about it, yeah. praying it over and over again, yep. and then allowing God to speak to you and, and having that be a part of your prayer. Exactly. Yeah. So so there's these different forms through, throughout college I started to really kind of learn and, and, and glean on. And mm-hmm. um, it was in my later 20s when I was involved with a, a, a not-for-profit here in, in Calgary. I was working with some homeless in the, in the city, and that's where... Mm-hmm. Uh, I really started to see some other aspects of, of prayer come alive. Mm. Uh, you know, we dealt with a lot of heavy things, a lot of hard things that people are going through. And so mm-hmm. I really wanted to withdraw myself and get that strength and energy to take on some of those heavy things sure. that you're kind of encountering day to day. And so that's a, a period in my life where I just really uh, valued that uh, prayer of protection of, of, of just, you know, L- Lord, you are my light, you're my strength, mm. right? And so that season of my life where I got to really almost get into some warfare stuff uh, mm-hmm. that was going on with, with the places that we were, were encountering and working in. Um, and so that was a really uh, cool period in my life where, again, it, I, I just felt like I grew a lot more in, in, in understanding prayer um, because there's so many elements to it. Mm-hmm. I, I think the danger today is that we can so get stuck in, right. in a rhythm or a moment thinking that that's just it. Right. And there's actually so many ways that God interacts with us in that prayer language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be just carbon copy, like, you know, Peter, this is how you do it. You know, this is how I do it. Yes. Um, I love that God gives us some pointers for sure. Like the, how our, you know, our father, Yes. but there's just such a vast way to talk to Jesus, to mm-hmm. encounter him and, 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 and get to know his heart for me and, and what he wants me to do that day. Awesome. And so, uh, like when you're praying today in this season, are you somebody who finds yourself, do you often pray out loud? Are you praying kind of quietly in your own head? Just Tell me a little bit about like the actual how-tos of what prayer looks like in yeah. your life. You talked about kind of finding time in the evening mm-hmm. or maybe you're in your car or just finding these moments that you can take. But uh, yeah, are you writing down prayers? Are you still doing that? Um, finding a few verses and praying over that again? What does prayer kind of look like specifically for you right yeah. now? Yeah, so in this season of life, I find that uh, I do my best to try to get out away in the morning, you know, uh, the rhythm like I said, said before, has shifted. And so, yeah. you know, a couple times a week or maybe once a week, I'll be able to actually do that. And yeah. so I like to take my Bible. I like to sit a little bit, read a passage, right? Uh, you know, I've been working through the Exodus, uh, 
Okay. And then I'm uh, reading some Psalms here and there. Yeah. And I just sit with that verse or that chapter and I just kind of ask the Lord, you know, what are you saying in this scripture? How does it mm. apply to me today? What, what is it that you were doing to, uh, to the situation or, or speaking to the situation? How are right. you moving people right in that time? And Lord, what, what is it for me today right now as I'm getting ready to prepare for the weekend or to prepare for uh, uh, working with our worship team? And so mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of shifted that, that, that way. And in those days that I don't have that time to really yep. be intentional, I, I find myself kind of driving in the car and there'll be days where I'll intentionally put on some worship music and I'll just ask the Lord, you know, what is it that you're, you're wanting to, to speak to me today mm. about, Lord? Um, you know, I, I really want to value some time with you, Lord, but, you know, I've got all, so many things that are going on and, and, you know, I can't time my son's uh, time when he wakes right. up, right? Yes, so for it, sure. sometimes it just cuts short. And then, of course, we all know about the responsibilities of family sometimes when we're at home. And so mm-hmm. I just take those moments uh, when they're available where I can just sit in, 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 in a, a quiet space mm-hmm. and just say, Lord, like, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And I like, and I've been kind of playing with this idea of like, we, we talk a lot to God and we always like explain to God or we're working right. through our stuff, but something that's really been kind of in the back of my mind that I learned many years ago as a young adult that's never fully been put into practice is I want to start asking God questions about how do you feel about circumstances? Mm. How are you doing, mm. Lord? Like getting to know his heart. Not that, you know, he, uh, you know, he's not a man. He doesn't sure. need right. to explain all these things to, to feeble old me. Mm-hmm. But I, I want my heavenly father to know that I value him too. That I, sure. that it's not just a gimme, gimme, help me right. all the time. It's like, Lord, how, how can I get to know you more? What are some mm. things that you can start to release, mm-hmm. in, you know, about who you are? And of course, we, we read that in scripture. We mm-hmm. read that through this, you know, we have that access to the spirit. I'm not advocating for any weird, you know, practice. I'm just kind of right. stating like, it's fun to invite uh, a conversation yeah. as my son does with me. Right. In the same yes. way, why not invite, you know, God and say, hey, God, like, thank you for all these things. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think of all this, God? What, you know, what are yeah. the things, right? Mm-hmm. So. No, it makes me think of, and we've talked about this uh, in a previous episode, but just of that picture in Revelation 3.20, Jesus standing at the door and knocking and yeah. like welcoming him in and he wants to eat a meal with yes. us as friends and just that kind of even conversation like you would have with a friend, exactly. right? Where you're saying like, how are you doing? Yeah. What do you think about these events that are happening in the world? Yeah. And and kind of having that, that back and forth. And I, what I really like that I'm hearing from you is uh, all the listening that you're doing. Because, I mean, that came up in the lesson that we uh, have just covered. Uh, and it's something that I always find very challenging is to find, you know, the time to actually listen to God mm-hmm. and to hear what he's saying. But even to see how you're doing that in, hey, I'm reading this chapter, I'm reading this passage of the Bible, and then I'm saying, God, what are you saying here? You're listening to hear him. God, what are you speaking to me? Uh, and I think that's just a great component to have as part of uh, prayer is the benefit of us, uh, even in this silence and solitude we're talking about, to stop talking and to do more listening. And and kind of the next question uh, that I have for you is just, how have you been able to include silence and solitude, as we've been talking about today, in your prayer life? Yeah, you know, uh, I would say definitely solitude is the thing that I, I'm really lacking in this season, mm. uh, physically getting away, because it's, yeah. it's a lot harder, right, with mm-hmm. family and, and people that are kind of around you. There was a time in my life where I was able to disappear, uh, go on retreats. I, I remember spending some time in college a, a week away, and I was wow. able to just push everything away and, and mm-hmm. really, you know, we had guided exercises and prayers and stuff. And I really valued that time in my life because I feel like the Lord really did speak a lot of 
of that discipline into me. Mm-hmm. And, and something that I want to get back into that's kind of slipped away the last three years has been getting away for even a 24 hour period of time, withdrawing from the city, withdrawing from sure. everybody mm-hmm. and seeking God. And so for the moment right now, the place that I, I try to kind of do that is a, a little uh, a closet I have at home mm-hmm. uh, under the stairs, kind of built it into my own place. And that's where I've been um, trying to kind of put some of that into practice mm-hmm. and, and, and try to be as alone as I can, sure. you know, um, in, in my, my, my mind, and this isn't for everyone, my mind, solitude means like you're out in the wilderness, you're alone. Sure. That's okay. kind of the aspiration right. I have in my yeah. head of, yeah. of, you know, I really do. Cause I love, I love just being out in the wilderness. I love the outdoors. I love all that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been some powerful moments God's spoken to me when in that context. Mm. Um, but not that he can't speak to me here in the yep. city, of course. Right. Yep. And so that's kind of how I've been able to adjust as needed is just get into my, my room there and, and just sit and allow his words to minister to me. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good. I, I think it's great uh, for all of us to be able to identify our season of life and kind of what we're able to do and, and what, what is reasonable, where we can push ourselves and say, hey, this is what I'm aiming for. This is what I'm working towards. And then, yeah, what does silence look like in each of our contexts and that solitude? I think that's awesome. Uh, what would you say to someone who is starting out in prayer? What kind of advice would you maybe give them, or how would you kind of steer somebody who is coming to you, who is kind of beginning a life or a journey in prayer? Yeah, I mean, like I would encourage everyone in, in that, and I think if you're just starting out, you're just like, what, what do I do? How do I even get this thing out? You know, a really cool template uh, is is the Our Father. Yeah, simple, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. We know it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can just kind of break it down really simply like, you know, um, our Heavenly Father, you know, I'll be your name, your kingdom come. Lord, and you can pause there and be like, Lord, like, what is your kingdom? Show me some of your kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Your will be done. God, what is your will in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, you can break it down into and, and yeah. simple questions, even one question. Absolutely. And start asking those things to God. Mm-hmm. He wants to reveal himself to us. And so it's looking for a willing heart to be able to just say, hey, God, I'm here, I'm present. Help me. Yeah. Know? Uh, so that, that's something I, 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 just a simple thing. Yeah. I think that's great because, uh, even looking back, like you were saying yourself when you're like 12 years old and you've got like this devotional, this little booklets, like finding tools to kind of help you, yeah. Hey, this is going to teach you how to do this. Hopefully in this podcast, we're, we're providing some of that information, uh, as well, but yeah, getting those tools in your hand to kind of help you in the journey of prayer. Uh, because sometimes people are resistant to that, yeah. right? Or they, they think, oh, no, that's not, you can't do it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even looking at the, the prayers in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer especially, and being able to use that uh, in our prayers to help us, to show us how to pray is awesome. All right. Final question for you, John, mm-hmm. is just what do you love about prayer? Mm. Yeah, I love that question so much. You know, prayer is like the water for our soul. Mm. Uh, there's days where, you know, you might miss a time with God to pray. Or, you know, I know, I know when I, f- I forget a morning mm-hmm. when I've just been so busy and caught up and, and, and I just don't feel as connected, uh, as refreshed, right? Mm-hmm. When you're, you're drinking the water the right way and you're, right. you're feeling like, okay, my body's good. I'm not, you know, desiring that and thirsting so much. Yeah. But there's days like when you're dehydrated, you're just like, there's something kind of off. I have a headache. Yeah. I'm kind of tired and lazy. It's the same mm-hmm. thing without prayer. And so I love how it just refreshes my soul and my body and that uh, like prayer is powerful. Prayer changes mm-hmm. uh, people's lives. It changes courses in history. It changes, yeah. it affects everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's a life-giving water, man. Like it, it's this power of the spirit that he, he, he pours into us 
uh, if we're able to just get away and, and sit and, and talk to our Heavenly Father. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for sharing with me today. Thank you kind of for pulling back the curtain and just even sharing what prayer looks like in your life right now, talking about the different seasons and, and times in your life of prayer. Uh, so thank you for joining me today, John. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And yeah, I'm just excited to uh, hear how God's working in everyone else's lives. You know, the prayer that hopefully if, if the people have been listening here, that they would be able to really encounter God in those spaces in their life. Awesome. Well, that is the end of season one, our 10 episodes on Teach Me to Pray. And I'm excited because Teach Me Too is going to continue in season two. And so you can be watching for that uh, here where you get your podcast as we will uh, be coming back with season two uh, in a little while. Teach Me Too is a presentation of Eastside City Church. It is produced, recorded, and edited by Josh Pegeling, Josiah Regundin, and Paul Nguyen.